Jesus' name, amen. There's five similarities or commonalities in these parallel, parallel healings between the girl and the woman. And so the first similarity in these parallel healings is that they both included desperation. And we begin with the father. It's hard to miss the irony that takes place with this situation. If you remember last week, Jesus went in the boat with his disciples and they crossed the lake and they were approached by a demonic. And he cried out through the evil spirits in fear, seeking mercy for themselves. And then we find that Jesus crosses back over the lake to the other side. And here we have this synagogue official coming out, bowing down, and begging out of love for mercy for another, his daughter, his daughter that he loved and that was dying. What's interesting is neither one of these, whether it's the demoniac or the synagogue leader, you wouldn't think they would be running up to Jesus. They didn't fit the mold. A synagogue leader, Jewish leaders would not be running up to Jesus. We've seen over the last several weeks that they weren't quite as connected as you and I are. Even though Jesus was speaking in the synagogues and went and taught in the synagogues, and maybe this father had actually been at a synagogue where Jesus taught, Jesus still wasn't following their customs and traditions. And so there was some separation there. And he was a, a ruler, a synagogue ruler, who had some administrative responsibilities. And he would have had significant peer pressure not to turn to Jesus. In fact, he risked being ostracized from his community of faith if he did so. He was in a tough situation, and I'm sure... The only reason that he did what he did was because of the degree of his desperation. I couldn't imagine being in that situation. He was desperate. Then we see the woman. Can you just imagine what she had gone through for 12 years and what she had endured from those doctors, I could just see them saying to her, okay, well, that didn't work. Let's try this. That didn't work. Let's try this. And every single time it didn't work, it probably left her with more scars and more pain. And some of you may be able to relate to that as being a, a, a guinea pig with doctors, them trying to figure out what's What's wrong with you? And I'm sure that's, that's how she felt. The impact of having health issues really hasn't changed over the thousands of years. It still takes all of your money. She probably didn't have insurance, but even with insurance, it ends up with you losing all your money, having no options, putting yourself in a terrible situation. Chances are she was incapable of giving birth. And if she was married, that would have given her husband at that time the right to divorce her. And if she hadn't been married, she was probably single. And in either case, living in that society, a woman didn't have 
real good ways to make an income. So this illness impacted every single part of her existence. She was desperate. She had tried everything, and everything had failed. She found herself with no options. So she had to enter the crowd, and she had to break the rules. In both situations, they turned to Jesus in desperation despite deep religious and societal restrictions. The second similarity of the parable of Helene was that each mentions 12 years. It's kind of interesting that the FCA was 12 years too, but in this, in this there's two, the two parallels, there's 12 years that are mentioned. So first it talks about the young girl that was about to die, she was 12 years of age, and then as it related to the woman, she had been suffering with this bleeding for 12 years. 12 years ago, the young daughter had been born, and at the same time she was born, this woman began to bleed, and for the next 12 years, she did so, and so 12 years later, they both found themselves in a desperate situation. We have one individual that was in desperation for 12 years, and we have one individual that was desperate after 12 years. Sometimes desperation is prolonged, and sometimes desperation is immediate. The number 12 also has some symbolism to the Israelites. The number represented restoration, completeness, wholeness. There were 12 tribes, just as there were 12 disciples, each com communicating completeness. And if we applied this principle to these healings, both of these females, time had come to be healed, to be restored, to be made complete. You know, when we're confronted with tough situations and we don't understand why someone's desperate for 12 years, that they, they've been suffering for 12 years, are suddenly a young person's life is at risk of not even existing any longer. We ask God why. And those are tough questions. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 tells us that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. In fact, his thoughts are far different than our thoughts. It says, my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Whether prolonged or immediate, God had his reasons, his purpose, and he always brings about completeness. Maybe not the way we want to see it, but he does. The third similarity of the parallel healings was that they were both called daughters, We got the right one? No. There we go. So the father starts off by saying, my little daughter is dying. And then after that, the woman, Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. You may not think much of this similarity or this common thing between them, but 
Jesus didn't have to call this woman daughter. The father loved his daughter. He would do anything for his daughter. That was obvious. And in a time when the culture was counter to having females be equal, Jesus treated females as equal. There was no distinction between Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. Jesus wanted to communicate to this woman that he accepted her, that she belonged, that he cared for her. It's interesting that there's no mention of her biological father, no mention of him taking her in or helping her. Maybe he was deceased or maybe he just no longer felt a responsibility. Maybe you are or were fortunate to have a good father, but I imagine some of us didn't have that experience, but we have a father in heaven that loves us no matter where we are and no matter what we find ourselves in. He calls us his daughter, his son, his children. 1 John 3, 1 says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. He loves us. The fourth similarity in the parallel healing was that they were both religiously unclean. And we're not to be touched or have physical contact with. Numbers 19.11 tells us that those who touched a dead human body were unceremonially, they were unceremonially unclean for seven days. And yet Jesus is seen touching this dead girl's hand. The same is true with the woman. Leviticus says that if any of you touch these things, and that was referring to discharges of blood, you will be ceremonially unclean. And if you touched anyone or anyone's clothes, they would be rendered unclean for the rest of the day. And yet, knowing this, this woman still reached out and touched Jesus. And I don't want you to miss this. She knew that when she touched Jesus, she was making him unclean. You know, I imagine, well, I don't imagine, I know that Jesus could have stopped her. But he let her touch him. He let her make him unclean. According to Jewish law, um, graves, death, and blood all resulted in being ceremonially unclean. So we see the blood and the death in this one, and if we go back to our demoniac, we see the uncleanliness because he was up in the tombs. And so in all three situations, Jesus is relating to those that are unclean. Baker's Evangelical Bible Theology Commentary says this, uncleanliness placed a person in a dangerous condition under threat of divine retribution, even death if the person approached the sanctuary. Uncleanness 
could lead to expulsion of the land's inhabitants, and its peril lingered upon those who did not undergo purification. And yet it appears that Jesus is not concerned about being unclean himself. Here's the point. Jesus doesn't care how much you've messed up, what sin you've done. Nothing is too great for him to forgive you. He desires to touch you. He desires for you to reach out to him. He's not going to turn you away. In fact, he did the same thing for you that he did for these two females. He took on your uncleanliness. And he did that at the cross. We are all unclean. We all caused him to be unclean. And he voluntarily took that upon himself. So he invites you to come to him and to receive him. And if you're here today and you're feeling unworthy or you're feeling that you just messed up and you question whether Jesus could ever forgive you, he can and he wants to today. The final similarity between the parallel healings is that they both demonstrated faith. Mark 5.23, my little daughter is dying, the father said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. And then with the woman, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. The book of Hebrews tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And today being Mother's Day, I wanted to emphasize there's that Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11 of those that have great faith. And there's a couple of women that are introduced as part of that Hall of Fame. And one of them was Sarah. It says, by faith, even Sarah received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. Also, we see Rahab. It says, by faith Rahab did not perish along, those who were, along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And then there's another recognition of women in this list. It says that by faith women received back their dead by resurrection. Do you remember the Shunammite woman? If you go back to 2 Kings, there's this event about this woman that was a prominent woman and she was married to an older man and they didn't have any children and um, Elisha would be coming through the territory and she recognized that he was a man of God and so she would invite him to stay since she had prominence. They were able to bring Elijah and take care of him and Elijah recognized that she was barren, didn't have any children and he communicated and told her that next season you will conceive and she did conceive and she did have a son and that son grew up and at, at a point in time he was able to go out to the fields and work with his father and one day when he was out in the fields with his father his head hurt he told his father hey my head is hurting and they carried him back to his mother and 
he laid in his mother's arms and died. But she didn't have no faith. She put that child in Elisha's bed, and she got on a donkey, and she went to find Elisha. Because she had faith. She had faith that something could be done for her child. And so when she found Elisha, he first had his apprentice go and see if he could heal and raise the child from the dead, and he was not successful, so Elijah went and raised the son from the dead. She had faith. Last time I was here, I talked to you about that mustard seed. Some of you remember the mustard seed in the kingdom. It starts off small and becomes very, very, very big, and it's unstoppable. Jesus also makes reference to the mustard seed in the, in the area of faith, and we see that in Matthew 17, 20. Jesus said, if you have faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible to you. His point, even the littlest faith. Remember the size of a mustard seed, 20,000 in that little cup? Even the littlest faith has tremendous results. He's asking just for a sliver of faith. As a parent, I would be often looking to my kids to see if they would give effort, especially in the areas of sports. I wanted to see if any of them were going to be sports kids. And so I uh, somehow got wrangled into being a t-ball coach. I don't know how that happened. But I didn't want to be one of those dads, so, you know, I was just really cool. Um, so my, my kid was out in, I don't know, left, left field, and I was with the pitcher, and so the, um, well, there's, well, the pitcher's there, but they're not throwing the ball. But anyways, um, kid hit the ball, I went out to left field, I turned around, and I see my, my son picking flowers as the ball, <laughs> as the ball goes by. Just give me a little effort. Just, just, just something. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. He's not into sports. <laughs> Even to this day. But Jesus is saying, give me something. Give me a speck. Give me just a sliver of faith in your life and see what I can accomplish Maybe you're here today and you're desperate. Maybe you've been desperate for a little time. Maybe you've been desperate for a long time. Maybe you've allowed other things to get in the way and not come to Jesus. Or maybe you've been ashamed. Maybe you feel unworthy. Maybe you feel unloved. Well, your Father in heaven loves you and he desires to heal you. First and foremost, spiritually. He doesn't want you to wait for a life or death situation or where there's no other options available to you. He wants you to come today. 
He wants to come for you to come to him today. I started off by talking about things we have in common, and the truth is we all have been desperate. We've all been a place of desperation. And Jesus has touched us, and he's changed us when we put our faith in him. And I pray today that we all have one thing in common, and that is that we put our faith in him and that we put our trust in him because he wants you to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you um, for what you did in these two women's lives. Um, you didn't have to. Um, probably nobody expected anything. Just another young girl dying and just a, another woman continuing in her pain. But you said it was time. It was time to bring restoration. Lord, I just pray today for each and every one of us, Lord, I pray that if we find ourselves in a desperate situation that we don't let things stand in the way of coming to you. Just pray for that, Lord. I pray that um, any feelings of unworthiness, of being unclean, help us to understand that that's why he went to the cross. That you already did that for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for calling us your children. I just pray that you would give us the faith to reach out and touch you. In Jesus' name, amen.